Welcome to This Girl Puts Out. I'm your host, Carm Macaretta, and I interview real women with real stories about real life stuff. I'm inviting you to laugh, cry, and connect with my guests as they share some of their most impactful life experiences from their brightest moments to their darkest hours. For more stories and an opportunity to share your own, visit me at thisgirlputsout.com. I'd like to welcome my guest and my audience today to This Girl Puts Out. This is podcast number five, and I have a very um, special topic and guest today. So thanks for joining us. My guest today is Jennifer, and Jennifer is going to share with us um, her experience as a domestic abuse survivor. Um, This is Jennifer's unique experience, and uh, we're happy to have you along to listen to her story, and uh, we're hoping that maybe by listening today um, that we can help someone. So Jennifer, welcome to This Girl Puts Out, and thank you so much for being here today and for offering to share your story with my audience. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So... We're going to start and, you know, we, I kind of have a a few questions that I'd like to ask and, uh, but if our discussion leads us elsewhere, that's okay too. Um, But uh, so just, just tell us a little bit about your, yourself, if you could just characterize yourself at the point in your life, um, just prior to when uh, this abuse occurred. Um, Before the abuse started occurring, I went through both emotional and physical. Um, Before it led up to that, I was pretty much, I was, honestly, I was 19 years old. I was very young. I had just gotten married. I thought I knew him very well. Things were going as well as a young married couple could be. Of course, we had our ups and downs, but nothing out of the ordinary I was very happy. I was helping to raise his young daughter. And we were just getting of what I thought was starting to get our lives together and going in a good direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so 19, 19 was young to get married. How old, how old was your husband at that time? He was five years older than me, so he was 24. Mm -hmm. And did you date long before you decided to get married? A year and a half. That's a a good amount of time. Um, So a year and a half, then you get married, and you're into your marriage. How long before things uh, started to go downhill? And notice right about the two-year mark is when a lot of the emotional uh, things started happening more and more, mm-hmm. uh, more controlling. He started to become more controlling. He was definitely starting to get a little bit more anger in him in all aspects of his life. He just didn't seem very happy with a job or um, just in life in general. So he just became kind of angry and then... Um, I just, he would, I felt like I was always walking on eggshells. So there was just a lot of emotional stuff. He was just mm-hmm. making me feel like I couldn't do anything right. Mm-hmm. And putting you down and just. Yeah, belittling yeah. me mm-hmm. and making me feel worthless and useless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
so there was a period of emotional abuse, uh, emotional abuse prior to him actually putting his hands on you. So it was sort of an escalation from emotional to physical. Absolutely. Okay. And, um, before I ask you about the physical part, um, did he have any substance abuse issues or substance overuse issues, you know, with alcohol or drugs or anything like that? Um, not that I was aware. Later, mm -hmm. I did find out like he would um, just some marijuana once in mm -hmm. a while, but uh -huh. other than that, and of course mm -hmm. he was young, so he would like to drink, but I don't think it was at the point of an of mm -hmm. a substance problem. Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. So the emotional aspect, when it changed over to physical abuse, how long would you say from the time the emotional abuse started to the time it switched from emotional to physical? It was about a year okay. that I went through a lot of emotional stuff. And then mm -hmm. it, about into about three years into our marriage was mm -hmm. when the physical stuff started happening. Mm -hmm. And the first time that happened, uh, you were obviously shocked. Oh, yeah. I kind of, a part of me, it sounds strange now, but a part of me kind of felt like I knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. Like I could kind of. And it definitely now I could kind of see the signs, but yeah, I was completely shocked, overwhelmed, scared. Mm -hmm. But you were sort of bracing for it. You were, yeah. you were seeing things escalate. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, so how, how often during your relationship would you have to endure, you know, the, the physical part of it? It would, it would all, honestly, it would all depend on his moods. That's mm -hmm. um, about um, walking on eggshells. I never knew how often it was coming or when it was coming, when um, something would trigger him that would upset him mm -hmm. to where he would get physical. It could have been something like he was upset with me about something with his daughter or um, just if anything upset him, he definitely would take it out on me. How severely were you injured physically? I mean, did you have um, did you have markings you had to cover when you went out in public? Um, did um, you the, did you break a bone or anything? The first time, um, I would say the yeah the first time I had two black and blue eyes, a broken nose. Um, I didn't realize I had two. I thought I had one black and blue eye, but I woke up the following morning after the first incident and my stepdaughter actually told me I had two black and blue eyes. Um, but I tried covering it with makeup. I wouldn't see my family for a while because obviously I didn't want them to know. Um, when they started, when they saw, I would kind of, I would hide it. I would say that I fell or make some excuse up. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it was basically I had some marks on me like scratches uh the i did break my he did break my nose he i had some black and blue eyes and then um one of the instances he from my shoulder my one whole side of my arm was all bruised and um i had some marks on my arm so there were a few mm -hmm. times i definitely had to hide the bruises and things like that, but I never did go to the hospital or anything. That was my next question. Did you did you go to the hospital? Did he did you want to? Were you forbidden or you know, did you not feel your injuries were serious enough? 
No, he, I first of all, I knew that it would upset him more. I already kind of knew that. And I also knew that because he wouldn't even, when he got really bad with the controlling, I wasn't really allowed to go see friends. When I went to my family, he was very um, hesitant about it because he was afraid that I would tell them things or they would see the marks so Mm -hmm. I knew if I wasn't allowed to go do that things that if I went to the hospital I would probably make things worse than Mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. Jennifer where was the stepdaughter when the abuse was occurring was she around when when he would hit you? Um, For a couple of the times yes Mm -hmm. which I honestly feel it's sad to say, but I honestly feel like that's what saved me from anything worse mm-hmm. happening. And in one of the incidents, she actually went to her kindergarten teacher and told her kindergarten teacher that her daddy punched me. So I, it was shortly after that, I couldn't hide it very much more. Um, was she abused? She was not. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, but part of me was always... I felt if I left, I'd rather have him do that to me than her. And I felt like a part of me, if I left, that he would do something to her. But wow. uh, I, I knew that he did, he did love her, and mm-hmm. I was hoping that he never hurt her. But I felt like I, I pretty much I stayed as long as I did for her to help protect her as much as I could. And in the long run, I realized that it wasn't I wasn't protecting her as much as I was hoping or I thought I was sure she was still seeing and being involved in things that she obviously had no part of or didn't need to be involved in wow and and how old was she she was five mm-hmm. wow just she think- was about six when I actually did leave things a, a young child should never have to see. Um, No, no. That is a a huge weight to bear for you, you know, uh, thinking if you stayed, you'd be protecting her. Um, That's just such a, such a heavy weight for someone to carry and a heavy responsibility. Um, So, so how, how long um, did the physical abuse occur before you said, I, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. I gotta stop this. Um, there were little things along the way, of course, but there was three major physical incidences. And after the third one, mm-hmm. um, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And I couldn't hide it from my family anymore. And they were starting to, obviously they were starting to piece um, the, pieces of the puzzle together. Um, I just mentioned about my niece going to school telling her kindergarten teacher. um, Obviously, not only is that teacher a mandated reporter, but her husband was also a police officer. Mm -hmm. Was that the beginning of you getting out? Yes, because I I, I was to the point where I felt, yeah, and I just couldn't do it anymore. Wow. And so you, you grew up in a supportive supportive loving family and they were they were near you but you couldn't access them right I I mean my parents lived five minutes down the road from me it and I have I'm the oldest of five I had siblings all over the place Mm -hmm. but I was scared to reach out to them I was embarrassed to reach out to them even though I knew that they were supportive Mm -hmm. and when the time came for me to leave they were my biggest support system but 
during the time I felt like I was alone and I didn't have them. Mm-hmm. It must have been a very lonely scary time for you um, because abusers typically, I mean, they, they beat you down emotionally. So, you know, you almost feel like you, you need to stay or as you did, or, or that, um, you know, you might deserve it or um, that, you know, you're not good enough for a better relationship or you're not, you don't deserve anything better than, than the situation you're in. So, I mean, you, he did his job on you emotionally before the physical. And so, so this had been a good chunk of years where you had been scarred both emotionally oh, yeah, I and physically. Felt, um... Towards the end, I mean, I was, I'm pretty uh, petite, but I was down to like 85 pounds. I was constantly sick. I was not sleeping. My life revolved around pleasing him, trying to make him happy, walking on those eggshells, just trying to do whatever I could to kind of keep peace and happiness. And Mm -hmm. I finally realized that there was nothing I could, no matter what I did, it wasn't that it wasn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you ever blame yourself? Was that something that ever went through your mind? Oh, absolutely. Um, I always, like, I, like, I always blame myself that I'm the one that made him mad. I was pushing mm-hmm. his buttons. I didn't do this right. So that's why he got mad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I definitely put a lot of pressure on myself and a lot of blame on myself for the sure. incident. It took me a long time to realize that it wasn't me. Right, that none of that was true. Right. right. Um, so you, you shared a lot of, you know, feelings that you had during that time. Um, I mean, did you did you think about your future? Did you think, you know, this is going to go on for the rest of my life? Did you think you were going to rehabilitate him, that things would get better? What What did you think of in terms of, you know, your future? Did you think this is going to get better? Yeah, I, I kept thinking that it would get better. And I kept thinking that you know, we can work on it, that could get better, that I could fix what I'm doing to make him so angry and Mm -hmm. to hurt me. Um, I just kept hoping that we could work it out somehow, but there wasn't a way that I found. Right. Sure. Sure. Um, Because it it wasn't you. It wasn't anything that that you you could fix. Um, So I think it's really important for the listeners to, to um, especially, you know, a listener who might be going through something like this, that your lifeline was five minutes away. And it still took you a very long time to get help. And I think that is, that's an impressive point. um, Because people need to understand that victims of domestic abuse, um, sometimes they don't even have a lifeline. Right. You know, so that's, that's the first, you know, step is having an outlet. And, and the other step is, you know, you had an outlet and you couldn't access it because you were so abused and you felt so horrible. And, and yeah. here it was really literally right in front of you. And I don't know that that really, uh, that was really an impressive thing uh, for me when you said that. Um just a heartbreak. 
I knew I knew that they were there, but like mm-hmm. I said, I was so embarrassed to admit what was mm-hmm. going on, and I mm-hmm. didn't want. I felt like I didn't want to bring that burden to them, mm-hmm. um, and just all these things. And I knew that they were there, and I knew they would be supportive. But again, I still felt like it was me, and mm-hmm. he had me so broken down that there were the threats, and you know, telling me I wasn't going to find anybody else, and I was lucky that to have him even though he was doing what he was doing to me but it was just he had broken me down so much I did I felt like I still I had nowhere to go and nothing nowhere to be or do and I had that access right next to me wow wow that is something but that's that's how abusers work um they break you down until you're nothing and uh but you did, you did find the strength. I mean, you could have when, you know, when the stepdaughter did talk to the school and uh, the ball started rolling, you could have downplayed it. You could have stayed. You could have said, no, no, I'm fine. Um, but you didn't. You didn't. You saw, you saw a way out. Um, so, so before we get to, you know, how you got out... Um, I'm interested to know during, you know, the worst of it, how did you keep going? Was it, was it fear that kept you going? Um, you know, was it the, the fear that, you know, he would, he would retaliate or did you truly hope that things were going to get better? I mean, how did you, how did you manage? How did you get through it? I honestly felt like, I still feel like it was a little bit of fear and hope. I was still... I didn't want to get divorced. I am still hoping we could work things out and change. Mm -hmm. I was fearful if I did leave, what would happen Um, when I, I was afraid of having nothing and start having to start fresh. I knew I was young, but Mm -hmm. really when I left, I left with my clothes and that was it. I had absolutely nothing. And that was, I was so fearful of that when I went through this. Wow. And I think that's a a common all those things that you mentioned, I think are common things that, that people do, um, that are reasons people stay, you know, there are a lot of folks who say, well, how, you know, why did you stay through that? How could you, how could you stay with, with him? Why didn't you just leave? Why didn't you just, it's not that easy. No, it's, it's definitely it's, not. It's not that easy, especially when you're broken. You're broken physically and emotionally, and you have all these worries. And um, it's really not difficult to understand, at least for me, why you know a woman would stay in in an abusive relationship. Um, it's really not. So, so now you said earlier that you did you did see some, some signs looking back. Um, what, what were the, the things that you saw early on that maybe were indicators that, you know, um, he was possibly going to be abusive? Uh, just a little bit of the, some of the triggers that would anger him cause, because they would be such little minor things, mm-hmm. but he, it would just make him so angry and it would be the the yelling and the screaming and the blaming. Um, then the control, it got to be so I couldn't hang out with my friends. I couldn't, I have a very close big family. Like I said, I wasn't, um, 
if I went to go see anybody, I'd get questioned. If I, even if I went grocery shopping for a few hours, I would get questioned of what took so long or things like that. If um, even financial, if I worked, I wasn't making enough money to help. If I and or I wasn't home enough to take care of my stepdaughter, but then when. I wasn't working, then I wasn't bringing in money, and I still wasn't doing enough. So it was just all those signs that were definitely all there before the physical started happening. And those are those are um, red flags that you know we know to be true now for um, domestic abuse for for partners that you know expect you to spend all. Of, your time with them, um, who act, you know, possessive. Those are definitely classic, classic signs. The isolation, mm-hmm. um, treating you with disrespect, putting you down, all, all very known red, red flags. So, um, but, you know, when, when we are in relationships and we are in love and we're, you know, trying to build a future and maybe, you know, struggling even financially sometimes we don't see these things you know um or we see them and we overlook them Um, i still feel like i overlooked a lot and i didn't want to actually believe what that it was actually happening a part of me just didn't even want to believe it Mm -hmm. did he ever accuse you of cheating because that's another red flag um one of the major one of the physical um, things happened because he thought I was cheating on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, uh, I had been with another guy that night, even though he was with me, mm-hmm. but yeah, wow. that was, that was part of it was the one, the one time it got physical was him, um, thinking I had been with someone else and he got angry about it. And luckily his friend was at our home with us and actually came in our bedroom and the mess when it was occurring and actually pulled him off of me. Wow. So, um, you, it sounds like you were lucky that night that the friend was there. Oh yeah. I actually feel very lucky that, um, out of the major physical ones either it's sad, but I'm glad that his daughter or the, his friend was there because like I said, I feel like it could have been so much work. I may not even be here today if it wasn't for his friend or, the stepdaughter being there because I don't know what more he could have done if they hadn't stopped it. Um, wow. Oh, chills. So, so back to the stepdaughter, um, helping you get out. She tells a teacher and, and what happened from there? Um, that was shortly after, um, nothing happened for a little bit and then, um, for a few months and then actually another physical altercation happened. Um, and I just knew that she was going to school saying this and it was another physical altercation and I couldn't pretty much, honestly, I couldn't hide things anymore. And I ended up, um, getting into a he that was the third time when he was punching me I was driving a vehicle driving a car he was punching me screaming at me I pulled over and um on a side road and I left my purse and everything in the car and I got I got out of the car started running down this little road 
and um, get away from him. And I ended up getting a ride home. And that was the last night that I saw or spoke to him. And I pressed charges on him that night. Wow. Did, did you go to your parents' house? I did. Um, well, a- actually, I went to... Um, Sounds terrible, but I spent the night at my sister's house right down the road. Mm -hmm. I got some things out of our home. I went to my sister's house, spent the night there, and I had called my parents that morning and kind of fully told them what was happening, and they told they were at my house within a few minutes helping me get stuff out, and that was my last day at that house and being around him. Oh my goodness. Wow. Did you did you consider going back at any point or were you just home free, you know, and never looking back at that point? Um, no, it was the day after Halloween. Um, Halloween, we got into the altercation in the car. The next day, I actually thought about going right back. And I was at our home for a few minutes trying to talk to him. He went to work. And I sat there so scared again, wondering if he was going to come home and hurt me again and things like that. And I realized I I cannot do this. And I grabbed some important papers out of the home. I went to my sister, spent the night there. And the following day was when my parents came and helped me. And I pressed charges on them and got a restraining order. Mm -hmm. And that was it. You were done at that point. I was done. Yeah. You You didn't look back. I did not look back after that. I had come, we had our issues where we went back and forth with each other as far as like um, spending a couple days apart and things like that. And I go right back because he would apologize and say it wasn't going to happen again and things like that. But that was the final incident and the final straw. Mm -hmm. So were you feeling strong? Um, You know, at this point, were you just done and, and feeling strong and ready to plan your future without him or um, I don't know what what was your emotional state like at that point oh I was scared I was beyond scared of how I was gonna get I felt like I had nothing in my like I said I left with clothes so I had nothing he wouldn't let me work I didn't have a job I didn't have a vehicle Um, I literally left with nothing so I was very scared but I knew that I had to I couldn't go. I knew, also knew I couldn't go back. As scared as I was, I knew I couldn't live that life anymore. Mm-hmm. Tell us, tell us about your life now, Jennifer. Um, that was several years ago, and so you said, you know, you were broken. You had no job. You had no money. You had nothing but your clothes, and uh, your your family. Thank God. Um, so, where are you now? Well, as of t- today, I am happily remarried. Um, last year, over the summer in August, we got married. Uh, my boyfriend and I were together for 12 years before we got married, which obviously did play, my past did play some part in that. Mm. But we were together for 12 years. We got married. We own a home. Um, after I went through this incident, I went right back these incident in this part of my life, I went right back to school, which is what I had always planned on doing. But I went back and got three associates and a bachelor's and a master's. And I am currently teaching fifth grade. So, um, honestly, right now, life is pretty good. I enjoy being an aunt of 10 and teaching and 
being married to my husband in our home and life together. Um, Jennifer, did you seek out counseling at any point? Um, I did. It wasn't right away, um, but I did because I was having um, very, my anxiety was very bad. My self-esteem and my confidence was nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so it was so hard for me to get through anything because I felt like I constantly needed reassurance and um, things like that because my confidence and self-esteem was so low. So I did seek counseling to help me with my confidence, self-esteem. Um, mm -hmm. She helped me with, um, I went through trauma counseling so she can help me honestly with the night terrors and fears that I was having. And um, my biggest thing for the counseling was just getting my self-esteem and confidence back. Sure, sure. That's great that you were able to, uh, that you knew you needed counseling and you were able to access it. I think that's, that's really important. Um, so are you, are you still, I mean, is it still with you? Are you still healing? Is it, is it a part of you forever? Is it, you know, where are you, are you still, I guess, in the healing process at this point? Um, I feel like I still, um, it's my, ba my battle with my self-esteem and confidence, I feel like that will always be something I'll have to deal with. Mm -hmm. But I always think about what, where my life is, and I've always think about the strategies that I've learned in counseling and um, things like that. But I still feel, I've always said through this whole thing that, that my bruises and my nose and all that healed, but the emotional part, it was so much harder to get through. Sure. I get that. It, it's, I think uh, that would be the hardest part because really that, it sounds like that piece took a lot longer to occur, right? And so, um, I mean, women that have had children say, okay, you forget the pain of labor and, you know, so, so you forget the actual physical part of it, but the emotional, the emotional aspect, I can certainly see why that would, that would stick with you longer. Congratulations, Jennifer. That was a, that was a, a real, a real um, amazing feet for you to overcome and I'm I'm happy for you and uh, I actually get to see you enjoying your life now so um, I'm I'm happy to uh, to know your your story uh, which I did not know so um, again amazing for you to share this what what would you like to tell somebody who might be listening who might be going through uh, emotional or physical abuse. I mean, I, I'm sure you could write a book, but what sticks out for you the most that, that you'd like to share? I would just like women to know that that they, you no one deserves this, um, that there is help out there. Um, there's nothing to be embarrassed about, that they're not stuck in that situation, that as hard as it is to get out or get help, it is there and that they're not alone. That was my biggest thing is I felt so alone even though I had these people support next to me, but um, I just want these women to know that there's not alone. And more than ever, there's more possibilities of help and assistance. So that's 
they're not alone. That's the biggest thing that I want them to know. And, and there is a lot more help out there than there has been in the past. And um, I, I do want to quickly mention that um, we are doing this recording on May 5th, uh, 2020. So we are still um, on the New York pause, uh, stay home orders uh, at this time. And um, I just want to document that there is uh, increasing rates of domestic violence occurring right now all over the country because of uh, what we're experiencing. People are having financial hardships, uh, they're having uh, health and wellness hardships, and um, people are stuck in a home together that maybe normally aren't. So uh, domestic violence is on the rise right now. So um, I think we should keep our eyes and our ears open, you know, to what's going on around us. There may be somebody close to us that might might need some help. Now, um, I also want to uh, share with the audience the National Domestic Violence Hotline phone number. Um, it is 24-7, 365 days a year. Um, that phone number is one 800 799-7233 and the website is thehotline.org and uh, those resources uh, or that resource um, can connect you to local resources so um, if you need a hand if you need help and you can get to a phone um, or the web this is certainly uh, something that you can you can do. And Jennifer, you were, you were telling me about um, another resource that you know of, an app, a phone app. So can you tell us about that? Uh, yes. Uh, Robin McGraw um, designed this app for domestic violence. Um, it's through Win Georgia Smiles, and it's called the Aspire app. And it's basically a, an app that you can download on your phone. It's hidden, which means if an abuser or anybody clicks on it, it looks pretty much like a news app, but inside this app, you can actually put like emergency contacts, um, 911 being one of them. And it also automatically, when you hit this red emergency button to contact 911 or emergency services, it automatically begins recording what is going on. So if your abuser is, yelling at you or physically abusing you at that moment you're said but it, you're getting more documentation for core and for more help but it is um completely hidden they won't know it's there there's lots of um there's videos on it to help other women there's the, the contact resources where you can even call for um, your your sister, your mom, your friend, and they, you can leave them messages saying, if you're receiving this, I need help, um, and things like that. So it really is a great app that she has come out with to help the victims and and survivors of domestic violence. Oh, that sounds, it sounds like a great tool. I'm so glad you told us about that. And so it's, it's by Robin McGraw, and it's called Aspire, A-S-P-I-R-E. Is that correct? Yes, it's called Aspire, A-S-P-I-R-E. Okay. Um, thank you so much. That is a wonderful resource. Jennifer, I want to ask you one last question. If you could talk to, if you could talk to that girl who is uh, in that relationship, 
today, what would you tell her? I would tell her that there's no need to be afraid that you have a lot of love and support out there, that there is hope, that there's help, and that you are more than able to get through it and that you are stronger than you could ever believe. Mm. So that would definitely be something that I would want to tell her that person that I was back then and that I'm not that person that I'm much better than that life that I was living. Well, you certainly deserve all of the success and happiness in the world. And for you to share your story is uh, very, very generous. So I want to thank you for spending time with me today. And I'm sure our listeners are also very grateful, Jennifer. Um, so stay well, stay safe, and enjoy your new life. And I wish you all the best. And once again, I thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you so very much. I can't tell you how much the, this opportunity means to me. So, so thank you. Oh, that's great. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. And uh, that is the end of our podcast for This Girl Puts Out. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And for more stories about real-life women, visit thisgirlputsout.com. Thank you.